As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to a History of Egypt podcast mini-episode. Today, we explore onion festivities, parts 8 and 9, in our 12-part look at the Egyptian religious year. Like the last part, this is a double-serving, as months 8 and 9 are connected by a single important festival. Today, we get to celebrate happy days in the Egyptians' lives, as the planting season comes to its end and the harvest season begins. Let's dive in. As month 8 began, the Egyptians were coming to the end of the season of planting, or peret. Just a few weeks of active cultivation remained before the preparations would begin for the harvest. By month 8, the fields were well planted, and farmers were now maintaining the growth. In order to help the crops grow, farmers needed to protect the grain and barley from rodents. Mice and rats left unchecked would nibble away at cereal crops and cause a lot of damage. So in the eighth month, the Egyptians focused on keeping these critters at bay. Naturally, their religious festivals followed that trend. Month 8 was named Pa-Renen-Utet, or the month of the snake who nourishes. This is a reference to the goddess Renenutet, one of the great protective deities in the pantheon. We'll meet her a little bit later. First, month 8 opened with an invocation of cats. The first festival of the month was a celebration of the goddess Bastet, the cat goddess. One of Egypt's oldest deities, Bastet was a natural friend to farmers. Cats kept mice, snakes, and other vermin away from the crops. So the cat goddess was a protector of agriculture, and as the planting season came towards its end, farmers up and down the Nile looked to Bastet with love. On day four of the eighth month, the Egyptians began a two-day celebration of their divine protector. Farmers donned amulets of cats, headed for their local shrine, and congregated for a festival. With them, they took a bunch of onions. The first day of the Bastet festival was called the Day of Eating Onions for Bastet. This may sound strange, but there was actually a logic to it. You see, onions were plentiful in the Egyptian diet, and the ancients attributed a number of healthy properties to this vegetable. To start with, onions were used in a variety of medicines, mainly to cure inflammations or mild ailments. Some of these recipes may also be referring to garlic, but it is unclear if the Egyptians differentiated between the two. Onions also had a magical property. They were used to ward off the evil eye, to keep danger away from the individual. So eating onions was a way of gaining some personal protection against bad luck or demons. 
It was a useful vegetable and associated with protection. The Egyptian word for onion was hedju, and this had its own special meaning as well. Hedju was cognate with the word hedge, or destroy. So hedju onions might be thought of as destroyers, only destroyers working for the individual rather than against them. So like the amulets of Bastet which they wore on their chests, the onions which festival goers took to the Bastet celebration were a valuable tool in the fight against evil. So, destroyer onions in hand, farmers congregated at their local shrines, ready to worship the great goddess. We can assume that this was a society-wide celebration. Men, women, and children all had a stake in and participated in the agricultural lifestyle. So the worship of Bastet was not limited to any one group. As you can imagine, when they got together, the party could be a bit wild. On day five of the month, the appearance of Bastet began. Priests placed the goddess's statue in a portable shrine, and then brought that shrine out into the streets. Incense filled the air, as well as the scent of onions, and the music struck up. The goddess was here, her protection was at its peak, the community was being cared for. To the Egyptians, this was the perfect time to let loose a little bit. According to the legendary Herodotus, the father of history, or the father of lies depending on your point of view, the festival of Bastet was one of the more hedonistic in the Egyptian calendar. He says in his histories that the festival of Bastet went like this, quote, The Egyptians sail men and women together, and a great multitude of each sex is in every boat. And some of the women have rattles, and they make music with them, while some of the men play the flute during the whole time of the voyage. And the rest, both men and women, sing and clap their hands. When they come to any city, they bring the boat to land, and some of the women continue to make music as I have said. Others cry aloud and jeer at the women in the some dance, and some stand up and lift up their dresses. This they do by every city along the riverbank, and when they come to the great city of Bastet, they hold a festival celebrating great sacrifices, and more wine is consumed upon that festival than during the whole of the rest of the year. End quote. Basically, the festival of Bastet was a bit like the festival of Hathor a few months earlier. It was a bacchanalian affair of music, dance, wine, and sexuality. It was a great unwinding. A season of hard work was coming to its end, and Egyptians were ready to let off a little steam. So the festival of Bastet began, and the Egyptians partied hard. Three weeks passed after the festival of Bastet. Three weeks to cure hangovers, finish up the planting and cultivating, and get ready for the end of the month. As the Egyptians entered the last week of month eight, they prepared for one more grand festival. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, the eighth month was called Pa-Renen-Utet, which translates to the month of the snake who nourishes. This is a reference to the goddess of the same name, the great lady Renen-Utet, who was the object of worship at this time. Renen-Utet was a goddess who took the form of a large serpent or cobra. Sometimes she appears as a woman with a snake's head, sometimes as a snake topped with a woman's head and a wig. 
She was, unlike most snakes, seen as a protector. Rene Nutet was a kind deity, responsible for the growth of crops and the nursing of children. Whether she was in the fields or in the nursery, Rene Nutet was a goddess that nurtured growth, encouraged vitality, and provided for her people. For this, Egyptians knew her as the Lady of the Fertile Land. She was a kind figure in the pantheon. The festival of Rene Nutet took place over the course of six or seven days. Three of these were particularly important. Unusually, her festival overlapped between months eight and nine, so as the farmers looked forward to a change of seasons, priests of Rene Nutet were looking forward to a grand moment in the spotlight. On day 25 of month 8, priests made an offering of grain to Rene Nutet. The serpent goddess would hopefully take this gift and apply her powers to protect the fields from harm. Rodents could be caught by snakes, and with a bit of goodwill, farmers would be safe from any ankle bites. I have a feeling that Rene Nutet would have been quite happy to oblige, given what her offerings entailed. You see, records from the Ptolemaic period tell us that, at the festivals of Rene Nutet, farmers would offer a portion of the harvest to this goddess. In many cases, it seems as though the temples of Rene Nutet happened to be located near vineyards and wine producers. So, as you can imagine, a large portion of her offering was nothing less than good vintage alcohol. This wine, obviously, went into the temples first, where they were used in offerings, and then distributed to the priests. But, after internal distribution, the rest was sent out into the gathered congregation. Which means that for every jar of wine offered, a portion was going to the mouths of the faithful. So, like the festival of Bastet, the worship of Rene Nutet soon turned into a hedonistic celebration of life and growth. Essentially, the last week of month 8, the last week of the planting season, was one giant party. Farmers and priests stumbled towards the end of Pa Rene Nutet in a drunken haze. When they awoke, a new month had begun. We now arrive at month number nine. The first day of this new month was probably, for many, a terrible hangover. The festival of Rene Nutet, protective serpent and wet nurse to the gods, was still underway, and with many of her temples being in wine country, the offerings were alcoholic and the revelries were drunken. So, as month nine began, the farmers of many towns must have felt a bit seedy. The ninth month of the year was named Pa en Konsu, or the month belonging to Konsu. It was named in honour of a god from Thebes, the son of Amun and Mut. Konsu influenced fertility in the farmlands, and extended healing powers to the sick. Like Rene Nutet, he was a benevolent deity, and his power was great. But apart from having the month named after him, Konsu did not appear at all in its festivities. As day one of Pa En Kons began, worshippers wrapped up their celebrations in honour of Rene Nutet. The month and season of planting was now finished, and farmers would begin work on the harvest. As a result, they kept the ninth month relatively light on the festivals, and focused on protecting the fertility of the land. The first day of Pa En Kons, 
also the last day of the Renenutet festival, was dedicated to a now-forgotten version of Osiris. This was the worship of Osiris the Child, or Baby Osiris, who bore the name Nepri. Nepri, which I like to call Nappy, like diaper, was a god associated with the growth of the crops and the nourishment of the people. So, he was a natural fit for the festival of Renenutet and the season of the harvest. Like the serpent goddess, Nepri cared for and encouraged growth among his people. In religious hymns, the Egyptians celebrated him kindly. Quote, Nepri gives all his herbs, fields bounty brings satisfaction. He gives it to all lands, everybody jubilates, hearts are glad, breasts rejoice, everyone exults. Nepri, it seems, was a celebrated little god, and on this last day of Renenutet's festival, farmers must have looked to the child Osiris to bring them a bountiful crop. As the festivities wound down and people made their slow way home, many would have been hoping that the coming days saw a rich season of growth. After the festival of Renenutet, the month of Pa-en-Konsu was pretty quiet. There was a brief festival to Anubis on day 10, and a celebration for Min at the new moon. But apart from that, the temples were mostly subdued. After all, most farmers and officials were now hard at work, beginning to assess, gather, and tally up the harvests. Now that the final season of the year had begun, there were just a few short months to ripen and gather the crops. Soon, the Nile flood would begin. Time was of the essence. The month of Pa-en-Konsu marked the beginning of the third and last season in the Egyptian calendar. This was the season of Shemu, or low water. It was the time when the Nile was at its lowest ebb, before the monsoon rains brought the inundation again. The climate was getting hotter, the summer was approaching. Soon, Egyptians would be working through incredible heat. As you can imagine, the pressure was on to get everything done before the summer got too intense. So, the month of Pa-en-Konsu was relatively quiet in its festivals. Apart from that new moon festival to Min, another god associated with fertility, the celebrations were minor. So, by the time month 9 ended, Egyptians must have been looking forward to some rest. Unfortunately, they were going to have to wait a good six weeks, as the upcoming 10th month was sadly devoid of popular festivals. Except for one, an incredibly personal one, not unlike an Egyptian Day of the Dead. All that on the next mini-episode, Valley of the Festivities. For now, let's return to our historical narrative. Thanks for listening to the History of Egypt podcast. I hope you're enjoying the show. Feel free to get in touch with me at egyptpodcast at gmail.com. Whether you have comments, questions, criticisms, or just want to say hi, I would love to hear from you. Also, if you have a moment, consider rating the show on iTunes or whichever podcast app you use. iTunes ratings help us be discovered by new listeners, people who might be interested in the show but don't yet know it exists. So if you haven't already, please think about giving us a review. Thanks to everyone who already has. Your comments have been invaluable in helping me develop and tweak the show. Thanks for listening. Have a great few days. I'll see you soon.